Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 9, 1-15, through 15, called A Clean Conscience. It may well be that the author of Hebrews is saying that the golden altar here, which is translated that way, I think, in every other modern version except for King James, New King James, the altar can be translated, censored. It's only used once in the New Testament. I don't want to make more of this than it is, but you may have been curious about this. It may well be that the author is talking about what happened on the Day of Atonement with the censer and not the altar of incense outside the curtain. Everybody with me? But then scholars say this. But if that's true, why didn't he mention the altar of incense? Because he seems to skip over it. He mentions the, the menorah and the showbread, but not the altar if he's talking about the censer. Everybody with me? So when you go back and study Leviticus 16, just to paraphrase, here's what's happening. If, if it's correct that it's a censer, the high priest did take that into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, because remember, he can only go in there once a year. I want you just to imagine that. Just let that sit before you. Imagine that you could only come to church once a year. And some of you are saying, that's exactly what I do. <laughs> we met those people on Easter Sunday, didn't we? That, that's their groove. That's what they do. All right, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody. But imagine you could only have communion once a year or pray once a year or open your Bible once a year. Or sense the presence of God once a year. That would be terrible. You know, right now, we often say when we pray, we, we can enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus anytime, 24-7, right into the holy place I go, and I have the ear of my Father. I can be as near as I want to be. I draw near to him. He, draw near, he draws near to me. I don't have any barriers in my way. But in that day, one man, not multiple people, not a whole team of priests, one man, once a year. So think about how that limits not only the amount of time that it can be done, but the individual who can actually experience it. It's only one man. And he gets to do it as long as he lives until he dies. And then another guy gets to do it, but it's only one man, only one day a year. I want you to think of how significant that is if you're a Jewish listener and you realize that something radical has happened in this new covenant. When Jesus dies on the cross, one significant moment around the events of the crucifixion is the tearing of the veil in the temple from top to bottom. What does that signify? From God to man, the way is now open. There's no more barriers there's no more curtains in the way. You know, curtains can send a significant message, uh, can't they? In a hospital, hopefully in your shower, <laughs> right? You have a curtain up, and what does it do? It, it's a barrier. It sends a message. There's something blocking the way. Well, if you were a priest and you were moving around, and let's say you kept the menorah lit because it was supposed to be kept lit day and night, or you 
changed out the show bread and it got changed once a week or you did something at the altar of incense, you might want to peer into the Holy of Holies. But then you might not want to because you know what God said? If you do things according, not according to my ways, you did. You don't look upon me. You don't, you don't mess around with this Holy of Holies. And now imagine the radical shift that has taken place. You don't... We don't need that structure anymore. I know that structure was significant. I know you built your whole life around it. I know you came three times a year, all well-bodied males who could travel and all of that. And you came to this shrine. And as significant as it was, the veil's been torn. The way is open for every one of us. You don't have to come from the line of Levi. You don't have to be in the right family lineage. You don't have to come with all the sacrifices being done the right way, with certain garments, a certain crown, a certain way. Make sure you've guarded your steps. You've all heard the stories about how they tie the rope to the foot of the high priest. Those are not in the Bible, but we've, we've got a few of them from history. Just in case he died, they want to try to pull him out because nobody else want to go in there, right? Can you imagine the confidence you must feel? Yeah, tie, tie it real tight, you know, just in case something goes haywire in there. <laughs> Right? I mean, this is what they had to deal with it. And, and while it was holy and it was instructed by God, it still was very, very much sending a message. Don't tread here and don't come in the wrong way and don't come in if you're the wrong dude and don't come in at the wrong time or you're dead. And now, in the new covenant, what's happened? The way is open. Male, female, slave, free, Jew, Gentile, we all come through Jesus Christ into the Holy of Holies. Amen? Amen. See, when a, when a person who received this letter in the first century hears this stuff, I don't know if we can fully grasp the leap that this is, the significant bounds that this does. And so notice, into that second uh, inner place, the Holy of Holies, he entered once a year, not without taking blood. He had to make a sacrifice for himself and his family first, then for the nation. That's when he left that incense uh, censer in there. He would go back out, then do it for the nation, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people. Would you notice? It says the sins committed in ignorance. I was on a radio program on KKLA some years back, and we were a, a pastor's panel and a guy called in and he said you're all wrong you all got it wrong it's always a wonderful way to start off a question right he wasn't really asking a question he said you guys are preaching about things you don't even know of because the only sacrifice in the old testament was for unintentional sins sins that you committed unintentionally in ignorance write this down for those of you who are interested read leviticus chapter 6 and you will see what i see there is offerings for intentional sins like lying and stealing and being called to the carpet and acting falsely. Some say that what is going on in this mention of unintentional sins is high-handed sins. This is what R. Kent Hughes says, and he's talking specifically about sins of ignorance and most scholars will put this under limited efficacy. So they're saying um, even the Old Testament sacrifices 
we would argue were largely symbolic, but even if they cleansed you temporarily until you blew it again, they were only for sins unintentionally committed. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had my share of intentional sins and unintentional ones. Anybody else want to say an amen to a negative? You know, amen says, I agree. That's what it means. We agree. Yes, that's right. So when you say amen to hard truth, you're very spiritual. I just want you to know that. You're totally, you just got it going on. Yeah, amen. That's me. (laughs) So here's what Hughes says. He says, and he, he quotes Numbers 15, 30 and 31. He says, these are sins anyone, and he's referring specifically to Numbers 15, 30 and 31. Sins de- committed in defiance, literally high-handed sins. And it goes on to describe the, the person that commits them. And then it basically says, if, if that's you, your guilt remains on you. And that is a orthodox position to take, and it may well be right, that the only thing that the ceremonial system was actually dealing with was unintentional sins. Think with me just for a second. David commits that sin with Bathsheba. What can he do about it? Can he offer a sacrifice? Well, there's nothing in the ceremonial system that's going to expiate or cleanse you from murder and adultery. You're, You're done for. You should die according to the law. Now, David doesn't die. He just cries to God for mercy, and he says, would you wash me from that? Would you cleanse me from that? Because I can't get rid of it. It's bothering me. And of course, God is gracious with him. It may well be there's another option here that I would just want to put before you. This is not necessarily anything to be dogmatic about. But these could be sins that you didn't do a sacrifice for during the year. So think about it. That This area was always something was going on in the outer and inner court, okay? Animal sacrifices uh, going on all the time. People would come in, this is what I did. Sacrifice, sacrifice. But what if you forgot? What if you didn't make a sacrifice for one thing you forgot to get a sacrifice for? Now what? Some of us do this with our confession. So I know that confession is part of my prayer life. Let's see, what did I do in the last 12 hours? Uh, Let's see. And we might think, oh, if I forgot, well, then I didn't confess that sin, so then I'm not forgiven of that sin. And that's kind of how a worshiper had to think in these days. There had to be a one-to-one correspondence between sins and sacrifices. This is why the author keeps saying, do you see what's happening here? Over and over, animal after animal, and they're not going voluntarily. <laughs> the animals are dying left and right, up and down, for all the, the mistakes of the people. And this system just keeps chugging year after year, day after day, week after week, month after month. And then you come to the Day of Atonement. You know what the Day of Atonement is supposed to be? The day when the national sins get cleansed and the priest he makes that offering for him and his family. He sprinkles the blood. and he, go, he leaves that censer in there, representing the presence of God, smoking up. He goes out and he lays his hand on the head of a goat. One goat gets slaughtered for the sins of the nation. Another goat is called the scapegoat. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? And visit walkintruth.com to give. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. And you will get this content through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, a look at intimacy in marriage through the Song of Solomon. That's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in, you can't have me. Mm. And that took a toll in our relationship. Even for me, in a church that didn't shy away from it, it wasn't talked about a ton, but I remember getting married and my wife and I being like, this is weird. Like, so it's good now, I guess. (laughs) There was infidelity. Just a lot of financial issues, you know, all those things that make the top list of of why a marriage is hard. The Lord's given us all things to enjoy, the scriptures say, and freedom is a big word as a Christian. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what's happened in the church is that the church has not always sent a message that we're supposed to enjoy life and be free. We've put a lot of unnecessary weights on people. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And he lays his hand on the head of a goat. One goat gets slaughtered for the sins of the nation. Another goat is called the scapegoat. And off he goes. And we've heard the stories about how that works. Now he's doing it for the nation. And when everything was done right, the people waited with bated breath. It's the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. This is when we get cleansed. This is when everything falls together. Hope he doesn't die in there because, you know, there's a lot at stake. And I hope that goat that went off into the wilderness doesn't turn around and try to come back home, you know, with all the sins of the people. Oh, no. Right. And they had a provision for that as well. They would actually kill the goat because the goats started coming back. Just like that pet you've been trying to get rid of. It's probably a cat. But anyway, never mind. Different story. Sorry, I know that always causes issues. Could it be that the sins committed in ignorance are things I forgot about and didn't get a sacrifice for? Possibly. Again, I'll let you do a little further study on that. But everything is coming to this. The writer has taken us to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. That's what he's done. And he said, I want you to see the day and I want you to see how much better the new covenant is. And it might be something like this. If you read between the lines, which would you prefer? You want to come in through the blood of Jesus or you want to go back to that? Not knowing even if everything's been taken care of and knowing deep in your heart that even if you participate in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, guess what happens? you're probably going to go out and blow it within a week and you're going to need to bring another sacrifice and another sacrifice and another. And sadly, some of us 
and, and perhaps, you know, if world religion can do this to us, that's how we live. We live in this constant cycle of wondering, am I okay with God? Are my sins dealt with? Where am I going to end up when I die? Go, go out into the community and ask people, if you died today, where do you think you'd end up? See how many of them have the right answer. I, I bet you you're going to find that a lot of people are going to say, I hope. You know, I sure hope so. And that's not where we want to be. But even, even a, a Jewish worshiper at this time would probably be there, right? I hope. I mean, I hope the animals have dealt with my sin or whatever, you know. That's kind of what the system created. Now, we're going to have to move quickly because we're pretty much out of time. The Holy Spirit is signifying this, Hebrews 9.8, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while or as long as the outer tabernacle is still standing. Now remember, it was about to be obsolete. The temple was going to be destroyed, which is a symbol. It's symbolic for the present time or age. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make the worshiper what? Perfect in conscience. Here's the thing. They come, they approach, they do it right, but their conscience is still wounded. Bunyan described it as a wounded conscience. And since they relate only to food and drink and various washings, that is the old covenant stuff, regulations for the body imposed until a time of reformation. Oh, isn't that beautiful? The time of reformation means when things would be straightened out, when things would be cut straight, reformed, put into their right setting. This is what the new covenant did. And then our verses that we read at the beginning. But when Christ appeared, I can't help but think of a holy night. Then he appeared and the soul felt its worth. You see what's going on here? Then Christ appeared. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son Born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under this system. Do you see it? When the kindness of our God appeared, Titus 3, I think it's verse 4. He saved us, not according to the works that we have done, but by the washing of what? Regeneration. Do you hear it? The washing that I could be clean before God. This is Christianity's message. You and I can be clean by the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. This is the message of the gospel. Your conscience can be cleansed. Your soul can be right with God. Christ appeared as a high priest. He wasn't like Aaron or any of these other priests. He had the Melchizedek priesthood, of course. He was a high priest of the good things to come. That's the new covenant. And he entered through a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not the one that Moses made or not even the temple. It wasn't made with hands because it wasn't of this creation. It wasn't earthly. Jesus went into heaven, into the ultimate holy place, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. Some people think he carried his blood into the Holy of Holies, the heavenly Holy of Holies. I don't think we need to push it that far. 
I think it's just saying through his sacrifice, he fulfills the imagery. He entered the holy place once for all. You don't have to keep doing it over and over and over again. Once for all. And what did he obtain? Eternal redemption. You know, redemption is a word to be purchased from the slave market, to be bought with a price, to be set free. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, there's a lot of talk about a red heifer. That's in Numbers 19. It was used, the ashes of the red heifer were used to create kind of like a holy water that would cleanse people if they defiled themselves. That's why it's a big deal, the red heifer, but that's for another time. Sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify them for the cleansing of the flesh. They do something either temporarily or on the outside. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, what does he do? He cleanses your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. In Christ, my conscience is cleansed. And yes, I still need to protect my conscience and have it be informed by the word of God. But in Christ, I don't have to carry guilt around anymore. I don't have to wonder where I stand with God anymore. If I've done enough sacrifices, if I showed up in the right way at the right time. I'm not talking about easy believism here. I'm talking about knowing the Messiah. And if you know him, your conscience can be clean before God. In fact, it is. He's no longer counting your sins against you. Paid in full. Thank you, Father, for this section of the book of Hebrews. Thank you for the imagery, the sacrificial system being fulfilled and now obsolete. Thank you that once for all, for all time, Christ paid the ransom price and we are free. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Thank you, Father. We're free in Christ, free to be who you've called us to be. We don't have to be under the weight of guilt, false guilt especially. We don't have to be under the weight of a conscience that may be misinformed and not according to the gospel. And we know you do convict us at times, but if you convict us, it's simply because maybe we need to amend something. It's not to condemn us. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. Thank you. Your son was condemned, so I wouldn't have to be. Your son took the curse, so I wouldn't have to. Your son shed his blood and rose from the dead to impart life and that more abundantly. Keep your heart bowed. If you're not sure you understood the gospel in this way or perhaps you have somehow strayed away, he would call you home, call you to himself. And if you're watching via live stream or you happen to be listening to this at some later point. You know, he is a prayer away. He wants you to trust him. Trust what he accomplished for you. You can't add anything to his perfect redemption. But you can receive it 
You can reach out for it and grab a hold of it. You can repent of trying to do it on your own or trying to serve two masters and commit fully your life to him and watch what he may do as you become an ambassador of the good news of the new covenant in Christ. Amen. You've been listening to A Clean Conscience, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 9, 1-15. through 15. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. We would also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from his teachings today, or maybe you have a question about something else, or need encouragement, or prayer. Maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you. You can email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast to reach more people like you with the hope of Jesus. And now we offer the Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your donation. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 9, 15 through 28 called our eternal inheritance. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.